it's important to create clear deliverables in order to maintain your consistency. And so by virtue of having a weekly newsletter, I have a reason to draw every single week because I need an image and I need a write-up to go in every single issue. Um, similarly, having one unique Instagram post and one unique Instagram video, that really helps me to like maintain these skills and honestly grow new skills in a variety of ways. And it's honing my craft as of becoming a storyteller, which is really important to me, being able to tell compelling, interesting stories. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Cool Ass People. I'm your host, Brandon Heek. And on today's episode, we have an influential special guest who is making waves in the world of art and literature. Please join me in welcoming my buddy, Justin Shields, as we take a deep dive into the journey of him becoming an adult self-care author, illustrator, and artist. What's nice about this episode is Justin really uses his natural talent to bring stories to life through his illustrations and, and inspirational storytelling to not only uplift others around him, but also to give them the tools to embrace self-care in their own lives. He's got a good book coming out soon, if you should keep an eye out for it. On December 6th, he's got a book called The Reset Workbook coming out. Tune into this episode to listen to all these great things that Justin's creating. And also, take note, because I do feel like self-care is not exercised enough nowadays, and some of the inspiration that Justin talks about is super nice. And the perspective that he comes from, coming from different cities like Memphis, New Orleans, how these influenced his background and who he is today. So join me on Cool Ass People as we break down some of these overlaps. But yeah, dude, it's so good to have you on, man. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So um, just for a quick background with, for the listeners, just how, I, how we met. Um, yeah, one night we were at the Contemporary for an event with me and my wife, and we were in this fat line to get in. And lo and behold, we met Justin. <laughs> <laughs> so happy to have you on. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I just wanted to say that I enjoy your energy and your authenticity and what you bring to the table. Like, that's just one of the reasons why I think we immediately like gravitated towards you. So. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And that <laughs> was an incredibly long line. It um, was. We were there for like 30 or 40 minutes. <laughs> Easy. And that, I mean, once you come to Austin, though, you kind of get used to the lines, but it's still pretty ridiculous. Yeah, so, so. Yeah. so my first question that I wanted to lead off with was, what started this pursuit of self-love for you? Like, I don't know that's a deep question, <laughs> but like, I just love how rich the, the content that you create. So like, what started it kind of for you? Oh, thank you so much um, for watching all of the weird things that I put on the internet. Um, <laughs> I feel like my self-care and wellness journey really started with um, trying to build my own internal self-confidence. Um, I've always struggled with confidence issues, and it was really, really, really challenging, especially early in my career. Um, and I learned about affirmations uh, pretty early in my career, and they were this phenomenal tool that just shifted my perspective, especially on how, how I can uh, feed into myself. And that was the start of my self-care and wellness journey, um, saying positive affirmations as a way to, to build myself up and find self-confidence. Uh, from there, I'd say I kind of lacked in deep introspection for many, many years. Uh, but then after a really intense breakup, uh, my biggest breakup 
uh, I was kind of faced with having to redefine what I wanted my life to look like. And that experience led me to going to therapy. The process of going to therapy legitimately changed my life uh, in so many ways. And I think the most meaningful way is that it just reframed the way that I thought about my sense of self and who I wanted to become. It encouraged me to also explore all of these new tools uh, that are so useful in building um, your identity and defining who you want to be. Uh, specifically for me, journaling, um, regular exercise, intuitive eating, all these things that kind of helped me to feel more balanced and more healthy and more happy. And also, like, I appreciate that you're upfront about therapy. I think that's something that we're not upfront enough. I think that people look at it as a negative, but really mm -hmm. they should look at it as more of like a scaffolding to so that way you can start to to really hone in on who you are, because that to me is like the hardest part nowadays. Like you, you spoke about confidence. And I think that like people, there's like an energy that people can see more than what we truly understand. So I think mm -hmm. that by finding that confidence, I think that it's just a process of like trying to really figure out who you are. So I appreciate that you are so transparent with it and also mm -hmm. so vulnerable in a way, because that's like, to me, one of the hardest things, like how to not get in your own head about it. You know what yeah. I mean? So I know that you love to draw and create what kind of started. I, I like that you're mixing. That's the thing is like this wellness with these like graphics and like how these messages, what, what kind of started you as a creator in a way? Ooh, okay. So I've always drawn. That's been a huge part of my personal identity from a very young age. Uh, my sister taught me how to draw in church, ironically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I, I just took to it and would spend every minute of every day copying illustrations from comic books that I was reading. Um, and so from there, I kind of uh, fell in love with art and the practice of making art and did AP art in high school, which led me to graphic design in college. And so throughout my career, being able to do complicated storytelling using uh, pictures and words has always been a part of the work that I produce. I feel like now it takes the form of a lot of hand lettering, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like my hand lettering is just like a unique style. It it's, feels very distinct to me. Um, it's wobbly and kind of uh, silly and open. Uh, but I think it is a really good way to kind of connect with people um, and kind of sneak in a little bit of uh, personal development, um, encouragement for people. And so I've been doing that style of illustration uh, since 2019, honestly. Wow. OK. Um, I um, was working as a creative director at an ad agency and I was like, I really want to get back into illustration. And so I took, um, uh, I bought an iPad, um, an iPad Pro, and there's this incredible program called Procreate on it. I love Procreate. <laughs> that was my stuff. I love it. I, I got Procreate and I was like, this is magic because it, it took my illustration process um, from like drawing something on paper, inking it on paper, scanning it, tracing it in Illustrator, uh, and then coloring it to like what t was taking me two hours of work, it now only takes like 35 minutes of work. And it looks better, <laughs> which is the craziest part. And so I dedicated uh, probably about 
30 days to doing uh, 30 original illustrations in 30 days Ooh, uh, nice. to kind of build my catalog and explore the tool really deeply. And since then, I've been drawing almost every single day. Like, I, I just love it. That's so cool. That's And I love Procreate. So you're like speaking my language as an architect. <laughs> yeah. What I had to do before is draw on trace paper, like mm -hmm. print it out, trace over things, you know, scan it, which is already a pain in the ass in and of itself because our drawings are big. Um, but by getting an iPad, it was like instant gratification mm -hmm. at its finest. And I can, and also you can layer things like, you know, and subtract, you know, that's another thing is I'm drawing in ink. Mm -hmm. So when I can't like, Sometimes oh, yeah. you can't take it no back. Exactly. <laughs> and I find myself now when I draw that I'm trying to click the back button when mm -hmm. I'm like, now I can't do that. <laughs> I've gotten so used to Procreate and Morfolio Trace and a couple other, there's a couple other drawing softwares that have like little things that, you know, here and there that help you out. But Procreate is still one of my go-to and one of my favorites uh. for sure. I love it. Did you have any like specific influences or like anybody in particular or... Other than your sister, too. Like that. <laughs> I drew in church, too, by the way. I used to get in trouble for drawing in church, too, just for the record. So. That's funny. I feel like uh, thinking about my biggest influences, I'd say um, many of the graphic illustrators of the 60s and 70s mm. really were important. So from a design perspective, Saul Bass was a huge influence of the work that I create. Uh, Andy Warhol and his illustrations are incredible. Um, people know him for the kind of iconic paintings that he did, but prior to that, he worked in advertising as well and did these beautiful spot illustrations mm. that heavily influenced my work. Uh, there's a comic illustrator named Edward Gorey that I'm obsessed with. Mm. They're very dark, grim comics, uh, yeah. which is the opposite of the way that I create. <laughs> I like it. But the way that he illustrates people was exceptionally influential of the way that I draw people. And so I'd say those three examples like genuinely helped me to become the artist that I am today. And what I appreciate about the art that you create, and also it's like this in architecture, is like I like that I can glance at things and note people's style. So like to me, it's so hard with social media now to differentiate yourself. Like every market is just so saturated. What I love is when I'm like flipping through a feed and I see your drawings, I immediately know that it's you. And that to me is like, such a hard thing to achieve like you were saying the grim images before is like mm -hmm. you can just glance and know okay like that's who that is mm -hmm. and i i just really appreciate that like to me that's the hardest part is differentiating yourself so something that i'm curious about also is i remember in line when we were talking that you were from new orleans am i correct i'm from memphis oh, originally memphis. Okay, but okay. I, I moved to new orleans when i was 18 yeah oh when you were 18 yeah okay so mm -hmm. like what drew you to new orleans School, college. School. Oh, um, yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, I was fortunate enough. Well, actually, this is a funny story. I intended on going to Dartmouth College. And so I went to tour there and I had like a kind of weird experience. And I was like, okay, Dartmouth is out. But while I was there, I met this really incredible person. Her name is Jaira. And uh, we just instantly connected over this long weekend. Um, she was like, I'm not going to Dartmouth either, but you should apply to Loyola. Um, and she meant the Loyola in Chicago, uh, where she was from. I used the common applications and applied to Loyola in New Orleans because I wasn't aware that it was a school, like there are multiple Loyolas mm -hmm. across the United States. And so I get into Loyola, New Orleans. I've never been to New Orleans. I have no affiliation <laughs> with the city at all. And of my options, it was the best option. Um, they had a graphic design program. They gave me a pretty good scholarship. And so I moved sight unseen. 
and fell in love with the city. I was there 16 years before moving wow. here to Austin. That is so cool. So 16 years, that gives you a lot of time to really get in depth with like the context too. Was there anything that you pulled from the city that you would say like from your graphics? So something that I love about New Orleans is just, it's also unfiltered in a way, mm-hmm. you know, like color, like food, stuff like anything is just like unapologetic to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So is there something from your graphics that you pulled that you would feel that you gained from New Orleans or from, you know, like your experience it in there? Or like what yeah. would you think? I feel like what's special about New Orleans is it's a place where anybody can be anything that they want to be. I think that's the magic of the city, mm-hmm. uh, especially because it's also the type of place where it runs through the heart of the city that you could lose everything um, mm-hmm. at any moment, right? Uh, due to a storm or, or honestly, a, a terrible rain event could like it could be devastating. And so, because of that, there's this phrase uh, "le bon temps roule," laissez-faire le bon temps roule, um, that is really about enjoying the moment and embracing everything that life has to offer. And I feel like that permeates the culture through and through. Um, in the best ways and in the worst ways, right? Like, should you live like it's your last day every day? Like, maybe, but the practicality of that is kind of chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> um, that being said, though, I think the way that New Orleans affects my art is that it is all about embracing who I am and not trying to make it perfect. And mm. I feel like that comes directly from my experience of living in New Orleans. It is a beautifully imperfect city. And the, the thing that I love about it is that it has these beautiful people, this incredible culture, and it just it is full of vibrant life. Mm. Wow, that's a really good way of describing that. I just want to dive a little bit into like your, your background growing up a little bit before mm-hmm. New Orleans. Absolutely. So this is wild to say I'm the only creative in my family. Uh, <laughs> like in my extended family and everything. Uh, my niece is a very good illustrator and um, she draws really well, but she's not as interested in it. So she ended up uh, doing violin instead. Uh, but I grew up in a single parent household. My mom um, is a beautiful singer uh, and sang in the church um, does not do like kind of traditional visual arts in that way and then my sister the one who taught me to draw she doesn't even really like to draw now I don't think I've ever seen her do it since then (laughs) 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 Um, so lots of talent kind of in uh, the music Mm. uh, perspective in my family Uh, but from the visual arts perspective honestly I'm the only one That's so cool. Like, honestly, kind of same. Like, I'm one of the only people that draws in my family. Mm -hmm. And my family is very also music-oriented. So I used to play drums for a while, Mm -hmm. and then I picked up piano. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not, like, insane at piano or anything. What I appreciate is it teaches you, like, discipline and, like, how you can... I used to literally sit down. My neighbors hated me. (laughs) But I would sit down and play drums literally all day. (laughs) And so I feel like... I would put headphones on. They were, like, cut off times 8 p.m., please. Mm -hmm. Like, no more after that. So now that we've talked a little bit about Memphis and, and New Orleans, what actually brought you here to Austin? So Austin uh, lured me away from New Orleans uh, with an incredible job in advertising. I worked for a B2B um, ad agency, business-to-business ad agency uh, here in Austin. I did that for two and a half years. Really incredible company and a great learning experience for me. 
Um, at that job, I had the opportunity to work with a variety of really awesome clients. Uh, most notable is Amazon Business, probably. Mm. Um, but then a whole bunch of uh, kind of specific companies in their industries that no one would know of, so I'm not going to mention them. Um, what has been incredible about my experience here in Austin, though, is that um, it encouraged me to start my newsletter. Mm -hmm. And so I send out a weekly newsletter now called The, Re the Weekly Reset. Um, and I started that as soon as I moved to Austin. Um, as a creative director in advertising, you don't actually do a lot of physical creation yourself. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was used to, prior to being a creative director, spending all my time in Adobe Illustrator or Adobe Photoshop or InDesign making things. And I was kind of missing that uh, aspect. Um, as a creative director, the majority of your time is spent investing in other people, encouraging their growth, and then primarily um, creating presentations to present to clients. And so I was like, I need a creative outlet that is just for me. And so, as I mentioned, I had gotten the iPad, I had done these illustration tests, and I kind of figured out my own uh, illustration style. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to send out a weekly email that has an original illustration, um, an empowering um, message, uh, and some interesting links. And I've been doing that since 2019. Mm. So now you completely work on your own, correct? Is that like, so mm. that's... One, that's like, I just want to say that that's super impressive. Mm -hmm. And that's like a risk in today's, you know, like yeah. that's something that I eventually aspire to do. Uh, it's super hard in architecture, but I can also relate to you in the way that like I was in production for a long time. Mm -hmm. And although I love detailing buildings, I need to create yes. like art. So mm -hmm. I was just creating wherever and whenever I could like a crazy person, like my wife would have to like pry me off paintings at like two o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I can turn into like an absolute crazy person too. So with you like doing your own thing, that comes, like I said, with some risk um, and I appreciate that. What is it like a day to day like for you then as far as because most people have, you know, like the standard nine to five. So day to day, I'm still doing a lot of freelance design work. Mm -hmm. So I am creating um, branding websites and presentations primarily for nonprofits. Um, and that takes up a big chunk of the day. I wouldn't say it's a traditional nine to five. It's usually not eight hours a day, but five-ish hours a day, that's what I'm doing. Um, the rest of the day, I'm creating content and um, doing things for the newsletter. And so um, I try to release uh, one new Instagram slash TikTok <laughs> video a week. I try to do one Instagram post a week and then I have the weekly newsletter that I send out. And then in addition, I've been teaching myself how to do some longer form video because I want to be super active on YouTube. It is so hard though to uh, kind of balance it all. And so um, I spend a lot of time drawing, I spend a lot of time reading, and I spend a lot of time writing uh, because I want to continue to feed into the work that I'm producing as a mental health advocate. So I appreciate like the structure that you've created for yourself. And that's something that I'm still currently struggling with between architecture and creating this podcast, because like one can really take over the other if I'm, mm -hmm. if I'm not careful. So I appreciate the structure that you, you're working with. I just want to know, like, 
is there things so as an architect i draw a lot and there's a lot of things that people never see and i just mm. keep it's just creating for the sake of creating is is your job a lot of like that like do you just are there a lot of are there some drawings that you do that people don't see or is it just like um because i know i i appreciate i saw a video that you just posted about your joy bombs mm -hmm. recently um and how you like edit so you get a cut like a print done and then you like edit it yep and so I really appreciate like the process and that. Are, th are there any things ever that like people don't see? Like, uh, no, I mean there are so many things that I've created that nobody has ever seen that I actually even like. Um, mm. Sometimes they don't fit into my my personal branding. Sometimes I just forget about them because I create so many things. But I think um, one thing that has been an important part of my creative process is having a lot of creative discipline. Um, as you kind of were alluding to earlier, um, for me, it's important to create clear deliverables in order to maintain your consistency. And so by virtue of having a weekly newsletter, I have a reason to draw every single week because I need an image and I need a write-up to go in every single issue. Um, similarly, having one unique Instagram post and one unique Instagram video, that really helps me to like maintain these skills and honestly grow new skills in a variety of ways. And it's honing my craft as of becoming a storyteller, which is really important to me, being able to tell compelling, interesting stories. Um, so I have done so many long form projects that kind of people might get a little bit of a peek into, but that end up, uh, you know, for whatever reason, not um, coming to fruition. But one that I'm super proud of that you mentioned is the Joy Bombs Affirmation card deck. Um, it fully comes from uh, this place of taking these things, this uh, tool that I learned um, and using it uh, to help other people kind of sow seeds of growth into their own life. And so this started as I drew like, let's say three or four affirmations. And I was like, this could be a project. Like this could be kind of interesting to do. And I am one of those people that just dives head first into it. So I like, I posted on uh, Instagram stories, hey, I'm thinking about making an affirmation card deck. What name do you like? I uh, gave three name options and, you know, I got like 50 people to vote. And so I was like, okay, there's a little bit of interest in this. Mm -hmm. And so I drew um, the first 20 and I was like, let me put up a pre-sale page um, to try to sell these and see if people are actually, you know, Sometimes people will say they're interested in mm -hmm. something, but you never know until they give you a little bit of money. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I know exactly. I'm an art. I know exactly what you mean. So. And so um, I would put up the pre-sale page and I sold like 54 pre-orders like within one week. And so I was like, Whoa. oh, okay, like this is has some meaningful interest in it. And so I really need to focus my attention on this project because it both is important to me, but it seems to be resonating with the audience in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think a lot of creative discipline is also about making sure that you are connecting uh, with your audience, communicating your interests, and seeing if they are interested in the same thing as a tool to encourage your creation and develop more things. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. And I, like I said, the joy bombs are so clever. Like I've, so I was talking to my, uh, my brother's wife the other day and I, I was talking about joy bombs and she was like, I'm stealing that from you. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. 
I was like, for starters, I didn't come up with that. I was like, I'll send you an Instagram link to it and you can get one yourself. But that, that stuff's already taken. So I just love your, your just unfiltered enthusiasm and happiness with things. And I literally like just the, I love positive messages. I don't think that there's enough of it nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, like I try and be the most loving person possible. And I think that, you know, it's it's just so hard with all these external pressures that we face nowadays. Yeah. So to dive into a little bit of your personal self-care a bit, because I just, I love how you give this persona off. And I know that that takes a lot of effort because people <laughs> think that like, the more effortless it looks, the yeah. more effort to me that goes into making it happen. Yeah. So self-care wise, like where should we dive in first? Maybe like, I mean, that comes down to like diet, exercise. You kind of mentioned it a little bit yeah. earlier. Um, yeah, if you could just briefly touch on a couple things that you do that you think are like really beneficial for you for your mental clarity or your mental health. So I'd say uh, from a mental health perspective, integral to my life is working out really frequently. I try to work out um, uh, usually four or five times a week and is not an intense workout. That's not really the goal for me. The goal is to make sure that I'm moving my body and that I'm focusing on my mobility. And so doing stretches, uh, walking on an incline on a treadmill or walking outside. Um, Those things are so beneficial to my emotional health Mm -hmm. um, as well as my physical health. So I prioritize those every week. Um, I'd say in addition, I do a lot of journaling, uh, both um, in the traditional form of writing what I have experienced in the previous day, but then I also do a lot of reading and reflecting. And so a lot of the content that I produce is really me having a conversation with written text from other people. Mm. And so I like to read multiple books at the same time. And I usually will um, read a couple of pages from one book, a couple of pages from another book, a couple of pages from another book. And then I think about how those things affect me. And what do I agree with? What do I disagree with? And I kind of write a short um, paragraph or two about what this brings up for me. And that becomes the content that ultimately I send out in my weekly newsletter. Mm. And that that speaks to like, whenever I talk about diet, that also means like what you literally look at. So like people don't understand, like I have some people in my family that watch Bravo. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to list any names, (laughs) but you know who you are if you're listening to this episode. Um, I just, it freaking blows my mind whenever <laughs> I, I've had to like witness some of it whenever I go over there and sit on the couch. I'm like, well, could you please just change this? Like, now wait, let me say this. I feel like it's important to say while I like, um, I am a mental health advocate that 100% encourages people, um, to, uh, live their best life and try to be good human beings. I, I'm not too good for a trashy TV. <laughs> uh, right now my boyfriend and I are watching, um, RuPaul's Drag Race oh. from beginning to end. And I mean, it's not a Bravo show, but it is a very dramatic <laughs> sometimes show uh, that I genuinely enjoy. I also feel like, though, the creativity of the show yeah, for sure is, is incredible. And honestly, seeing the way that um, these incredible humans are are creating illusions 
Um, it is magnificent to me, honestly. It is mind-boggling, and I like I watch, and I'm I'm like I can't believe you look like that, and now you look like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife got me into Queer Eye too, yeah. and I freaking I'm like trying not to like ball my eyes out at every episode. But it's just so good. Like, so I see what you're saying. Like RuPaul's, I know I've seen a, a little bit of a couple episodes. Uh, so I know what you're talking about, but that's still not Bravo, you know, just a bunch of the, like a lot of it's like people who just have money who yeah, are like looking for drama. At each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So whenever you talk about, I like that you're saying that you read multiple books at the same time. Can you talk about like how, what the frequency is with that? That's what I'm just kind of curious about. Cause I, I read like a, my wife and I read every once in a while before bed, like probably like once or twice a week. Yeah. Um, but I'll just read one book. So yeah. like, I think it's very interesting that you're deliberate about reading like multiple books. Can you talk about like maybe what some of those books entail? Like, yeah, yeah sometimes it's personal development books. Sometimes it's marketing. Um, and then sometimes there are religious books, uh, mm. texts. So mm. I try to do a lot of nonfiction reading during the day. What that means, though, is that I go through books really slowly, like I think slower than most because I'm kind of balancing three books at the same time. But I think the value of it is that by putting two different narratives against each other, it just creates these new synergies in your mind and it helps you to take it helps you to find how it affects your life specifically in a way that I think reading one book doesn't. Right. That being said, I read at night as well. I read fiction at night um, before bed, uh, similar to y'all. And I can only do one fiction book at a time because, like, you know, it's a story, mm -hmm. like a clear story. Yeah. And so if you want to maintain the the logic of what's happening, you, you just read one. <laughs> That's why I was curious. I just I just didn't know if it was like I so I am I have ADD already, like yeah. nobody's business. So I don't think there's any way that I could like read multiple books at the same time. But the way that you described it is it totally makes sense. And something that I appreciate about your schedule and that you keep talking about is that everything that you've said so far is very manageable. Yeah. And to me, that's like the hardest part is yeah. like making things manageable, you know, and also like just showing up for yourself is something that mm -hmm. I think an overlying thing that you talk about is like, if you put in the effort, it's like, your body and your mind will start to do the same. So I recently started, I, I do the sauna like religiously right now. Yeah. And the amount of dopamine that I get whenever I come out, uh -huh. it's almost like things can't bother me. It's like oh, as wow. if I want to, it's like it doesn't. So I just really appreciate um, the effort and like showing up and like if you just do it. Like people, I know it's hard, it's difficult. I just think that people need to start choosing their hard, mm -hmm. you know, like it's hard to go to the doctor all the time whenever you're not healthy, mm -hmm. but it's also hard to get up at five 30 in the morning and get your ass in the gym and then, yeah. and then go to the sauna and do whatever else you need to do. So I just think that we're kind of like, as a society, we're kind of like lost in translation here. Cause mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes I'm just screaming into an echo chamber because I keep telling people like a lot of people in my family, a lot of people who are directly around me, like, just get up and move and like everything else will just inherently start to come with mm -hmm. it, especially like your mind. So I've had, although I might seem like I have it put together right now, I've mm -hmm. had some like, and everybody does, but I've had some really low lows to like figure out who it is that I am and like what it is that I represent. Mm -hmm. And so I've really started trying to hone in on my, you know, my physical well being. like stretching is like, yeah. people don't realize everyone's like, I'm getting old. Like things hurt. I'm like, how often do you stretch? 
You don't. No, exactly. Most people don't stretch. Exactly. <laughs> I I stretch religiously like every day because I have to because I had sciatica for oh, a long time. Yeah. I've, I've ruined my knees before. I've like had so many injuries mm-hmm. from doing stupid stuff. <laughs> but I've like grown to know that like if I get up and I, I stretch for about 30 minutes every day, yeah. 30 to 45 minutes, depending on what muscle group I'm working out. Um, like I can f- literally physically feel the blood flow in places that I didn't know was even possible. Like once I started, like my, my lower back was like a real big, you know, I was like in my early twenties, I was bulletproof. You know, I could go friggin' squat, whatever, deadlift, whatever. And my back was fine. Uh-huh. And as I started to get older, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I started becoming friends with the chiropractor. And he was like, mm-hmm. if you're going to deadlift and do all this stuff, like you can, but just make sure that you're like, really taking the precautions and stretching as hard as you can so i appreciate that from uh, your perspective but also now that we've talked a little bit about like your visual diet maybe we can talk a little bit about i love food yeah i'm a foodie (laughs) and what i like is like i saw earlier on one of your videos that you made like salmon tacos i freaking love that like (laughs) if you can ask my wife like I've learned to make it like therapeutic to like pre-cook our meals. And I know that like a million people right now will probably be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? But literally just the, the prepping of the food, getting everything ready. And then also just making the effort for yourself. And yeah. then like not having to do it again for the rest of the week mm. is just for me, I've like just a big payoff. Nice so nice. what do you do as far as like, your diet goes because yeah. you seem like a very healthy person. So, so ironically, I hate cooking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Um, I of course do it uh, because you have to. Yeah. Um, I always say this out loud because I feel like people need to hear it. You should not be getting the pre-prepared uh, meals from the grocery store. Like that's fine for like a, every once in a while, but if you're doing that daily, your sodium intake is going to be too high, and so like. You really need to prepare your own food at home, even if you hate cooking like me. Um, And so I tend to try to batch cook my meat kind of all at the same time or on the same day. And then I'll make my sides through the week so that I can kind of have some variety Mm -hmm. uh, to go with what I'm craving. And so, for example, you know, if you cook up some uh, ground beef, um, I might make a taco with that one day, but then the next day I might be like, okay, let's make some spaghetti with this mm. same ingredient mm. um, and kind of do a neutral seasoning uh, so that it's possible to do that. Um, I love fish, and I try to eat that more frequently than not. Um, at least three times a week is kind of my go-to. And then the thing that I've been exploring more recently is meatless days, which is Ooh. a little bit hard for me, but... Um, finding some kind of high protein um, vegetarian meals mm. has been a useful tool for just not feeling gross after you eat. Yeah, and so like it's so funny. Like we are, we were taught by like the food pyramid uh, that you know you need a grain, you need a meat, you need a veggie, and it's like you don't always need a meat. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't always need a grain, and so like <laughs> completely. Kind of like playing with that where, you know, sometimes I might have, um, you know, fish and broccoli and that's it. I don't need another side to go with that. Or it might be, okay, I'm doing uh, beans and rice for dinner, but like let's jazz it up, um, put some fresh greens on it. Um, So, and I feel full, but I don't feel like full, full, Mm -hmm. over full. Yeah. 
it's eating to sur- it's eating to survive not the opposite like yeah. that's yeah i know so before i married my wife i used to push myself to limits to see how much i can eat like mm-hmm. just because you can doesn't mean you should mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so i did that and thank goodness that i'm still here today um, yeah no that was not a good time i mean it was a good time like i learned what i can and can't do um but now i really focus on like so I have to like pre-portion my meals. That's mm-hmm. just like, sometimes I'll do like big, big batches, like what you're talking about. But a lot of times, like I have to like make the container. So that way it's like, oh, gotcha. I'm a g- on the go kind of person. Mm-hmm. And with architecture being like, sometimes I have a lot of deadlines. Yeah. So my Sundays, like, so it takes me about three hours, okay. three and a half hours, That's like to start to finish, to yeah. cook our whole week's worth of food. And that's breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah. Um, and that's if I like haul ass. Yeah. If I'm like, okay, <laughs> like start the timer. Like, yeah. So I've gotten really good at batching it. But I found that like if I if I do like big amounts and set it aside, that I always like end up like wasting. This is just how I do. I, I end up sense, yeah. wasting food. So I've been really trying to be purposeful about like how I package it and make sure that like I love like having a beautiful fridge on Mondays. Yeah. That's my shit. <laughs> like I get up, got my so I get up at five thirty. Okay. I I have to I, you know I make a little little thing of toast peanut butter honey with a banana just before the gym because if i don't eat before the gym i'm like dissolving so i take my dog out crush that go to the gym and then afterwards i have my big breakfast which is usually i've been making like a lot of quiches oh yeah yeah, i'm a sucker for those because you can make them put them in the after you bake it put in the fridge and you Uh have like three days worth of beautiful eggs oh that's perfect yeah throw some avocado on it and you're freaking good to go that's a good idea yeah and people don't understand like meal prepping doesn't always have to be this like i'm not making like five-star gourmet meals where there's like 50 ingredients (laughs) you know what i mean like it can be done simply Mm -hmm. and if done correctly it it's i can always gauge how good i do by how much my wife eats (laughs) (laughs) because like there's times i will admit that i've like super rushed it and it's like i open the fridge on saturday or whatever and i'm like damn (laughs) (laughs) like She's like all of a sudden had lunch with her coworkers all week <laughs> somehow. So <laughs> yeah, I can tell when my wife likes things and when she does it. And it's also been fun. Like, so she's from the middle East and they're really big on fasting. And that's mm. something that I didn't like, like I said before, I was just eat, 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 go, go, go. And what I love about that is like, that's really made me like, okay, like I don't always have to eat. And there's times to like slow down a little bit. And so, like, when we got married in Egypt, we were there for Ramadan, and I was struggling. I'm sure. You can't have water. People don't understand, like, it was, one, it was hot. It was hot in Egypt, and I was so stupid. I went and worked out in the morning thinking, like, oh, I can, oh, I got this, and I didn't drink water in my workout. I I tried to, like, stay strong, Mm -hmm. and I got, like, a little over halfway through the day, and I was, like, talked to her mom. I was, like, I need food. (laughs) I can't, (laughs) I can't do it. I can't do it. But it was so nice seeing that like juxtaposition of like not always having to be like the meal prep, like get my macros in like mm-hmm. constantly freaking shoving food in my face and then being like, okay, like my wife does a lot of intermittent fasting and it really works for her, especially women. And like, there's all this new research coming out that I don't think people really understand that. Like some people think like, oh, you're fasting, you're starving yourself. That's not the way to do it. But really everyone's, everybody, everybody's body is different. Yeah. And so I feel like if that works for you, then that works for you. Like do it within like, you know, don't fast for too long. I just think that like we need to start as a society, like reanalyzing what we do and how we perceive things, especially like fasting or just like diets in general. And also being in architecture and this, the diets that I see 
are horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. It kills me. I get made fun of at my work, actually. Uh, every job I've ever had, mm. they make fun of me for eating too much. Because <laughs> I, have, I have literally like a cooler when I go. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I love having my, like, <laughs> I have my snacks at 3 o'clock. I literally have it down to like that. I'm like, nice. Yeah, okay. I'm like, so I, I'm obsessed with food. So that's why I ask everybody. I'm always like curious to see like what people are doing as far as like diet goes and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but I appreciate you like being so transparent with it. Yeah. And I love that you post it to me. Like that's something that I'm trying to get good at is like, I just, I have such a hard time sometimes just like letting go and just posting things. Oh, I w- so <laughs> it's interesting. I have felt at different times in my life, very weird about my relationship with social media. I fortunately am not one of those people that feels like they need to um, impress people using my social media channels. That is not my purpose on that. And I genuinely fortunately understand that like what people are posting is just a snapshot of their life. It's not the full story. I have always felt a little bit of trepidation around sharing all of my experiences um, on social media. But one thing that I've been exploring recently are these like really short daily vlogs where I just tell a little bit of a piece of my life and share it with the world is usually on the days that I'm going to go run errands. And so I will wear an outfit and go do whatever I need to do and then work on whatever creative project that I have for that day. And I share that experience with my audience. Mm. And like, I feel like it is actually a way to connect with people and have them see a little bit of a snapshot in my life and who I am. And I think that's the thing that makes social media beautiful is that it really is your opportunity to connect with real people. Mm -hmm. And so the advice that I've um, been giving to creative people that I coach is that it's okay to kind of show up and show who you are. And in fact, video is one of the best ways to do that because people hear your voice, they mm. see your actions, and they have the opportunity to feel a little bit more connected with you. Mm. And through that, they want to support the creative work that you do. So I appreciate that you coach people. Um, I love that. So can you speak a little bit to that of like, is there a lot of people? Like how many people do you typically? Uh, small group. Small group. Yeah. I mean, I don't expect to like, have this huge <laughs> following, but I'm just saying like, what does that entail when you say that you coach people? I'm super fascinated by yeah. that. Um, yeah. What, what do you do for, do they just ask you for like advice or like, how's that? Usually people come to creative coaching because they're trying to solve a hyper specific problem, right? So it could be a, I don't know how to market my business. And so they come to me and we'll just check in. Um, you know, three to four times and I'll help them build a marketing plan for their business, review some of the marketing materials they're making, Mm -hmm. and then give them feedback on how they can make it better. That's one version. Another version of the coaching that I do is really focused on just being a thought partner Mm -hmm. with someone. And so that's just like, hey, I'm navigating a new experience and I need help um, navigating this thing by talking to somebody about what's going on. And honestly, I just act as a trusted thought partner. I listen and, um, ask them questions to help them clarify their vision. And when they ask, I give them advice. Mm. Um, and so like, I feel like it's interesting because when I initially thought of coaching, I was, uh, I was concerned because I didn't want to accidentally slip into the space of 
trying to be someone's mental health professional because I am yeah. not a mental mm-hmm. health professional. That mm-hmm. is not my job or ability. Um, and I say that very boldly. I am a mental health advocate, um, and I encourage everyone to go to a therapist. Where I think a coach is different is that they can help you with specific insight, especially in your creative career. And because so many of us are solopreneurs and we work by ourselves, usually from our homes, we need somebody to talk to just to like get the ideas out of our brain and make sure that they make sense. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, a valuable service to just be able to like connect with somebody and help them clarify their vision for their life and their career. Yeah, being a soundboard is like, people don't understand that that's like, it's the best, like especially in architecture. So I've, Mm -hmm. there's this perception of architecture that people are like, like one person built this building. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, y'all need to all get that shit out of your head real quick. Mm -hmm. This is a group effort. (laughs) And what's hard whenever you're going into these architecture firms is navigating to figure out like, who can be my soundboard gotcha. where if I say some stupid shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. it's like, you know, but finding the best soundboards, I don't think people realize the power. So like, I love working with teams. That's like what, that's like my, that's what I love doing is coordinating with people. Um, so how would you say like with yours, what is it like coordinating with like different groups and like coaching through different like groups of people? Is there like a lot of nuance between them or is there like, how, how is it like coaching Yeah, I feel like what's interesting is most people are dealing with the same set of challenges. They sometimes will have different names, but almost always it's really a confidence issue, honestly. It's how can I find my creative confidence to do X, Y, Z? And that could be uh, marketing or how to get a promotion or um, how to learn a new skill or how to invest the time necessary to see something come to fruition. And so through the process of talking with uh, another person, it's, it helps you to stop the swirl that mm, happens yes. uh, when you just sit and think about something. Yes. And I, I went to, um, when I got a creative coach, it was transformative for me um, just being able to sit down with someone and have them hear um, the things that I was thinking and encourage me along the way because it's like you you get the spark of an idea and you want to push it forward, right? Mm-hmm. But then you're like, but how do I actually do it? And the honest answer is it doesn't really matter so long as you try, right? Mm-hmm, so long exactly. as you do it. yeah. <laughs> and it's like no one really cares if you do it uh, poorly. In fact, sometimes people like enjoy being a part of the beginning of something when it's kind of um, – not perfect and and not fully put together they're like i was there when you were figuring this out and then over time as you perfect it and grow they're like oh wow i got to watch you grow to this that's incredible um so i think oftentimes it's just helping people get out of their heads just a little bit uh, so that they can take the next best step towards whatever the goal is they're trying to achieve yeah you talked about the swirl and that is the most real, mm-hmm. I hate the swirl. So being in architecture, I like have banged my head against the wall, mm-hmm. literally. And it's so funny that you can be blinded by your own, just, I don't even know what to call it, but like just having someone and then getting that spark and realizing, okay, that's what I needed to do is just like fantastic. And like, to me, unprecedented. It's just, if you, as long as you find the right people, yeah. it's all in who you like surround yourself with. That's you true. know what I mean? So something about that I was curious about also is like 
we've talked about the past a lot, so I'm kind of curious about your future. Yeah. Um, what do you see being like your your highest point? Like for me, this podcast is just like, a, a, like I said, a dream of mine. Yeah. And like one day I want to be you know, interviewing J. Cole or yeah, like yeah, Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Like all these people offer something just so rich to society. Like I just want to, you know, pursue that. Um, but like enough about me, but like how, what do you see like being some of your end goals as far as? Yeah, I think um, one beautiful thing that happened uh, last year that I'm excited to see to fruition this year is uh, my book. The Reset Workbook mm. is coming out with Spruce Books in December of 2023. And I am elated for this to happen. Um, I have worked on this book uh, for the past year. And it was a lot of beautiful, hard work to get this book out of me. Uh, but I feel like the Reset Workbook is a really useful tool to help people um, kind of, it's a guided journal that helps you explore your inner magic, right? Mm. And so in, in, building, in, in building this book, it was really important to me to create a beautifully designed, beautifully illustrated, well-written thoughtful guide that helps people mm. and i feel like my unique differentiator is that as i mentioned i'm not a mental health professional i, I don't claim to be i don't want to be <laughs> but how beautiful is it that a normal human being is encouraging you to do deep self-reflection and honestly i feel like this is also a tool and a gateway to help more people uh, find the confidence to go to therapy and so mm. my my theory and my hope is that this is the beginning of people's journey with um, personal development and self-discovery and that it leads them to, if they're interested in trying therapy for the first time so that they can get a trained mental health professional to support them in their growth. Mm -hmm. So um, I've always wanted to write a book. That's something that is like, I, I do a little bit of writing, not nearly enough to like super get into it. Can you talk a little bit about the process of like, I feel like that's a lot of pressure and I, <laughs> and I, that's coming from someone who hasn't even done it, but can you talk a little bit about like what you're feeling when you started it or like how the process of like making the book, cause you sound so, what I love is you're so excited about it. So I can't wait to see it. So I would just like to hear a little bit about the, the process. I, I feel like everyone's inner critic is so loud and a big part of being a creative professional is learning how to silence your inner critic. I would say when to listen to it and when to ignore it. And so for me, I actually self-published a version of this book um, in 2019. Um, I self-published it again in 2021, a much better version. And now, um, because I had the opportunity to go through the process of working with a full team that was reviewing the work and giving me really thoughtful notes, it is, it's, it's just very good. Like I'm significantly proud of the thing that I produced I would say to anyone that's interested in, in creating any work of any kind, it really is about being okay with publishing or creating something that's not perfect the first time and allowing yourself the opportunity to continue to iterate on it. And so I am a big proponent of like, this is just the first draft. This is just the second draft. This is just the third draft. And it's like, Thinking from that lens allows you to ship something faster, and when you ship, then you can get the feedback that makes it better the next time around. And so letting go of that desire to be perfect and instead focusing your attention and your intention 
on just making a better thing the next time around, I feel like that helps people propel their growth and actually put things out in the world. So something I appreciate that you mentioned is talking about your inner critic, and that's something that I have to constantly fight. Um, how would you say that you balance, because you, you do have this inherent confidence value that I really appreciate. How would you say that you balance the the inner critic? So this is all inside. Like, it's bad enough that we have haters all over the place, mm. like social media <laughs> in general. Like, how would you say that you balance it, like, internally first before the filter outside? Yeah, I think a big part of it is that a lot of social media is temporary, and so uh, generally speaking, I'm not I'm not making anything controversial in any way. So like, I don't really tend to fear about like being canceled because of some Instagram video I created. It is possible there are plenty of things that um, I might not be aware of or that I might not understand that could uh, potentially be bad. But um, in many ways, social media is transient and it has, it, you put it up and it kind of can disappear relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. And so that helped me, honestly, to be willing to put more content out more frequently. But I also feel like confidence is really a muscle that you have to build. And to build that muscle, um, you have to do things. You have to publicly do things. And at first, it's like kind of committing to something small and then over time committing to things that are bigger and bigger. So like another battle that I fight is like sometimes I'll design these whole ass videos mm -hmm. and like I just won't post it because I'm like I'm afraid like someone might not like this. <laughs> to me, what I'm trying to ask is like how do you filter in like criticism from people that's like stuff, stuff you should actually take mm -hmm. and then stuff that you shouldn't take? because that's where I feel like my downfall is, is I don't even give it the chance, you know, like I just don't do it. So how would you say, I, what I love is that you just do it. How would you say that you like, is there something that you tell yourself in your head, just like post it, call it like post and ghost or like, mm -hmm. I don't I've seen people who do that. Like, is there? I'd say um, for me, I do always think what's the worst that could happen. And yeah. that phrase is really meaningful to my creative process. Honestly, it's like, so far, I have only had one or two instances where I got like a significant like uh, comment from somebody that like affected me mm. uh, negatively. And so like, I think generally speaking, if you are doing work that matters to you that you believe in and you're sharing it with the world, many people will see that and if it connects with them they will follow you and like and support in a variety of ways but it's the internet it's an open wild mm. wild west of all the people that have ever existed during this time period and so it's possible for you to get hate or negative feedback from people i would say the world has made it very easy to be a critic and very hard to be a creator and having uh, the gumption to put yourself out there is so much more interesting uh, than leaving a nasty comment for someone. And so I think if you're a creator that struggles with um, uh, the fear of pressing publish, I would almost always say watch it one more time and then press publish because um, the worst that could happen, honestly, is that someone's going to say something mean. And it's like, is that going to ruin your life? Is that going to destroy your world? Probably not. Yeah. And in fact, if you can commit to publishing regularly, if you can commit 
um, to making the thing and getting better over time, it's like you can make a meaningful connection. And I feel like that's the piece that people forget. The reason that artists create is because we have something inherently inside of us that we need to share with the world. But that thing that we share with the world is actually going to affect people positively. So it's like you not publishing, it's like, who are you not helping out? Like there is a person in the future that could be inspired by that thing or encouraged by that thing. It could change their life for the better. You're cheating them by not pressing publish. I love that you say like, what's the worst that can happen? I need to be more about like cognizant about just, just publishing. Cause I have a little, a million side things making mm-hmm. videos here and there and I'm always like just post it mm-hmm. I'm the worst then I'll like just not post like I should go through my phone and just start publishing like yeah. but no I, I just really appreciate your feedback and like I think that you have a very w- just good way of wording things like fantastic so I just really appreciate you being coming on today yeah. and yeah and I'm happy that I even get the opportunity to like talk to people like you yeah. and just like and, and this is, like you said, this is me taking a chance. You yeah. know, this is like my dream. I'm starting to find, like, that's what I really love is just, mm-hmm. like, not only the art of communication, but also just, like, spreading positive messages because there's just not enough of it anymore, you know? So I do eventually want to have you on again for sure. I want to do follow-up episodes. Absolutely. And I, so we can talk about your book that's about to come out. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about, like, your social media and all your stuff, like where they can find you at. Oh, sure. Yeah, you can find me online at Justin Maythat on Instagram and at Justin Shields on TikTok. And I'm also at Justin Shields on YouTube. Hmm, at justinshields.com too nice yep. <laughs> justinshields.com i love that justin <laughs> made that it's like i made that that's how I, that's funny because like when i cook for my wife like i've started making middle eastern dishes uh-huh. and now i'm like i made that <laughs> so i love that you're like justin made that yeah like, and, and you have such a good style so i know i've complimented you a million times but anyway i appreciate you being on man thank you this has been great